The following episode contains content on sexual violence that some listeners may find disturbing. Discretion is advised. Please note that the contents of Model Mentality are for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Model Mentality. Hi, I'm Dr. Ali Sharma, a psychiatrist and mental health advocate. And I'm Bridget Malcolm, an international fashion model. And this is Model Mentality. We created this podcast to open up the dialogue about mental health in the fashion industry by exploring the lives of models through the lens of their personal mental health experience. Each episode, we will invite a leading fashion model to sit down to chat, going behind the visual imagery and what you may know of their external life to take a deeper dive into who is actually behind the mask and at the real struggles these models have faced. And in our Let's Get Clinical segment, I'll explore connecting the dots between our guests' personal stories and the larger mental health context. Because at the end of the day, we are all human and our struggles are universal. Hit the subscribe button on the podcast and tell all your friends about model mentality. Please note this podcast is strictly for educational purposes only, and please consult your own provider for any mental health issues you may be facing. Andrew Hayden Kang is an Asian-American actor, model, and fitness professional who was raised in New York City. With his combined experience in modeling, fitness, and business, he's now residing in Los Angeles, fully pursuing acting in TV and film. He has a bachelor's degree in business management and has over six years of consulting experience with a global firm. He's also a men's physique bodybuilding competitor and holds a professional title in 2X federations and is a certified fitness instructor. Andrew's modeling career spanned from working with clients such as Nike, Reebok, Equinox, Lifetime, and more. All right, so welcome to Model Mentality. Today on the podcast, I have with me Kai Braden as a guest co-host for our second episode on our masculinity and mental health series, and Andrew Kang, who we will bring on in a second. So before we begin, Kai, first of all, hi again. I love this. Hello, Allie. <laughs> How are you? I'm great in sunny LA. How's New York? I am in a very gusty, windy New York City right now, but <laughs> not as Arctic cold as it has been. So I'm envious. Um, but yeah, so look, as I did last time, I'd love to start with you telling us why you chose Andrew for this episode and this series. Yes, yeah, so this is the second of our mini series on masculinity and mental health. And again, honored to be a co-host with you on Model Mentality. It's uh, a conversation that I'm clearly passionate about and feel humbled to um, help lead. And, you know, when you asked me what guests I felt were a good fit for our miniseries, it wasn't hard for me to think of um, Nick and Andrew as well. Um, they came to mind first and foremost. Um, they are true friends of mine. And in terms of Andrew, there's so many great things I can uh, talk about him. And he knows that already. Um, but 
three things that I really felt just made him the right fit for this podcast was, you know, he lives a life of love and you can see that in how he communicates with people. He's a man of God um, and the way he treats people and perceives people. And he's so poised in his self-esteem through his brotherhood. And again, that goes along with relationships. And, and those three facets, I feel like, really embody a healthy and true sense of masculinity and, um, and a healthy mindset. That is beautiful. And I'm so excited to speak with Andrew because of everything you say and more. So, so let's bring Andrew on. Andrew, are you there? Hi, Ellie. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And I'm really excited to speak with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, Kai, Ellie, um, I'm very excited to have, you know, a deeper dive into this conversation of topic of mental health and masculinity. And, you know, I come here with an open mind, um, not believing that I'm a sole expert in this topic whatsoever, but, you know, more uh, coming here to be illuminated by you guys, hearing your perspectives, and, you know, also share my personal experiences. Thank you, Andrew. So let's, let's go there then. You know, I was curious, and I like to ask this of all my guests, you know, what interested you about coming on to the podcast, knowing that we're focusing on mental health and masculinity? Yeah, so there's a lot of factors, but what it truly comes down to for me was, um, first and foremost, I... I love Kai to death. And, you know, if he asked me to um, come on to something like this to share my personal experiences and thoughts, you know, it truly means a lot. And I value um, his values and decisions. So that played a big factor. And then secondly, you know, the topic of masculinity and mental health. Um, from a man's perspective, it's personally, I find it quite rare. Um, you know, I think we all have different experiences we've grown up with. And this is a topic of conversation that isn't spoken of more frequently. Um, I think conversations um, regarding this topic can only benefit those surrounding you and, you know, whoever's listening. And, you know, my kind of mentality about life is if I can do anything to help just one person, then, you know, it's worth it. Right. And, you know, at some point people have to, people don't have to, but, you know, for me personally, I hold myself accountable in a way where if, you know, I can let myself down and, um, you know, drop that ego to, you know, benefit one other person out there, then it's completely worth it. So, you know, I feel very privileged to be in this position right now, um, tying in all my experiences, uh, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into and, uh, you know, dive deeper into this conversation. And I'm going to pick up on one thing you said. I love that you said, to, if I can drop that ego, it may benefit one person. Because in a way, it's interesting that you say it that way, that it is perceived as something that you have to drop or remove in order to be vulnerable. And that's what we're talking about, right? These stereotypes or these expectations of how we're supposed to be in the world and trying to change it so that you don't drop anything, right? So that people feel more fluid in talking about this. So I'm, I'm actually really glad you said that. And I'm just curious, knowing Asian culture being of Indian background, but also working cross cultures and you know, thinking about how people 
are influenced by their culture. Just tell us a little bit about your background, you know, and you growing up, where you grew up, what your home was like, and we'll get into masculinity, but just a little bit on like what it means to be a man and the culture you grew up. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting that you say that because I I immediately realized like you can tell a lot about a person based off how they communicate. And it, I just thought, you know, you emphasizing dropping the ego was, uh, you know, it, it kind of hit the nail on the head um, in a certain way. But just in terms of my background, yeah, I am Asian American. I'm I, uh, I was born and raised in New York. Um, I'm Korean American. Um, I would say my parents are definitely uh, more traditional in their in their in their uh, cultural standpoints, um, being first generation. Um, so I also have an older brother, uh, two years older. Um, spent the vast majority of my life in New York. And then, you know, just recently moved to L.A., you know, over the last two years. And you did not start out modeling. So can you just describe when you were growing up, like, what were your career aspirations? And then how did you shift towards what you're doing now? You know, growing up in Long Island, the, it's a great community. I have tons of great points to speak about it. The education I received, um, in my personal experience, kind of directs, you know, students to very specific industries. Um, You know, what I mean by that is like in New York, growing up in Long Island, uh, you're very limited into what people find respectable in your profession. Um, You know, you can be a doctor, you can be an engineer, um, you know, or you can work in finance, right? Because Manhattan's right there. And Manhattan is, you know, the king of finance. So, you know, I personally felt very pressured um, and limited in terms of my options because, you know, like any other kid who wants to um, make their parents proud, you know, you kind of deviate towards doing what they want you to do, right? Um, So that's kind of how, you know, my early childhood progressed. Uh, My brother, my older brother, uh, he studied finance. He's a complete, you know, wizard in the field of business. Um, he's a very successful uh, private equity uh, employee in, in New York City, working in Wall Street. And, you know, like a younger brother would, I aspire to be more like him. And so that kind of directed me to uh, studying business in college and then, you know, landing a job at a consulting firm. Um, you know, thinking back now, if, like, would I have done things differently? Perhaps. Um, but, you know, growing up, again, in that kind of community where, you know, very specific jobs were um, regarded as being respected, you know, I think I definitely fell into that realm of wanting to be like, the others and and you know essentially just fitting in i can also speak to that light and growing up from a chinese background um you know you follow the footsteps of your elders and your elders definitely pressure you into um, pursuing a career field that will enable you to take care of your family and the next generation and so 
Um, I come from a family full of doctors and uh, I know that, you know, money is important in Chinese culture. It's, it's a way to uh, care for your family and love for your family. And so um, I also resonate uh, with that. And it sounds like Korean and Chinese cultures um, are similar in that aspect. And by the way, I love how much Asian representation there is on this call. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was going to say Korean, Chinese, also Indian, also yes. many other cultures. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so given that there were these expectations, Andrew, and you were you know, influenced by them, how did you depart from that? And how did you become, begin your other career? Yeah, it was a very long process. I'll, I'll give you that. And, and I think it first starts, you know, within yourself. Um, identifying who you truly are as an individual without external pressures and, you know, sources that you grew up with, right? And I think we learn, you know, early in our childhood through our parents. And then, you know, kind of, you know, when I went to college, you know, that's when I started gaining more independence. And then, you know, post-grad landing a job. And, you know, through time um, and a lot of self-reflection, I was able to learn more about myself um, you know, in very positive ways and, you know, just changing industries. It's, it's something that like modeling, it, it's so, it's so funny because like, yeah, I, I am a model, but it feels like a path that I have never, ever thought about, um, you know, even in college, uh, growing up in New York, you know, the entertainment industry wasn't something that was known to me. Um, I think it's very uh, present here in Los Angeles. But, you know, growing up in New York, you know, I really thought that if you didn't make it in the business world, you know, working in Manhattan, then, you know, you were considered a failure. So, you know, just being here now, it's very rewarding um, just because I feel like now I have... I gained a bigger perspective on all that life has to offer, right? You know, consulting being, you know, using more of your analytical brain and, you know, having that corporate structure, whereas modeling is, you know, being completely free and a creative, right? And just to give you some context, I was always into fitness my whole entire life. And, you know, through a lot of, um, hours at the gym and nutrition, I got into the world of bodybuilding, uh, was, you know, pretty successful in competing um, within the men's physique category. And then I, you know, organically connected with a photographer who uh, was very well known in the industry. And he gave me a referral to my first agency. Um, and then th there, you know, it kind of evolved into, um, you know, where I am now, where, you know, I'm working for clients and brands and you know can actually make you know money off doing this and can you tell us a little bit about you know giving that it's such a contrast to working in business and consulting mm -hmm. you know what it is that you enjoy out of it because you said it's creative and you're free so what are the things that you really love about your career yeah i i actually thought about this i think about this a lot and i think as kids we're you know, we're open to being free and vulnerable and, you know, just being yourself and, you know, entering the corporate world, it, you know, it really refines you into a specific person. Um, you know, I work for a very large consulting firm where we have over 500,000 employees 
globally. And I think, you know, a common theme around attracting, you know, management consultants is, um, you know, type A qualities, right? And for me, I feel like, you know, my education and background have uh, shifted me into becoming this type A corporate analytical machine. Um, and I love the contrast it has with the modeling world because it's, you know, it's black and white, right? And with modeling, you know, you're free to express yourself however, ever you want. And, you know, I just feel like I'm utilizing a different part of my brain to be creative. Um, so obviously, you know, this, this stark difference is something that really attracts me. And I feel like it just ties back into my roots. And, you know, I feel like all human beings have this quality and desire uh, just to really express themselves in their own authentic way. And, you know, this platform of modeling, you know, gives me, gives me that uh, opportunity. Andrew is absolutely a machine. I can second that. He is so um, proactive in both of his careers as a, a consultant um, at a IT firm and at Accenture and also, you know, in his pursuit as an actor and, and model. And, uh, you know, if, if our listeners could see, he's already flexing right now. <laughs> What an incredible journey you've had, right? From expectations, things that you aspired to watching your brother um, do to this dramatic change, right? Of going to this industry that you never expected. And I think one of the other things that I'm thinking about that you never expected was an incident that has happened to you. So similar to Kai, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about it, not in the details of it, but just in terms of like how that affected you from a mental health perspective, and, you know, what the impact was for you? Yeah. So um, I don't know how many of the listeners out there have heard Kai's story, but I had a similar, in a way, uh, situation going on um, where I experienced working with a photographer early in my um, modeling career where, you know, I envisioned I could trust solely because this specific photographer has worked with, you know, high, um, not high, but uh, other, other models, other agency sign models. Um, so that kind of gave me the green light that it would be okay to work with. And basically, you know, my story goes that, you know, I walked into um, a test shoot to work on my portfolio and I was definitely taken advantage of, um, you know, in physical ways and everything happened so fast. So it's, it's, you know, mentally it, mentally it was for sure tough to understand exactly what happened, um, just with the nature of, you know, how fast everything happened and, you know, secondly, you know, you start to question yourself and, you know, ask if what just happened was normal, right? Um, you know, being so new to the industry and having no really background knowledge um, going into the modeling world, you know, you're, you're kind of getting thrown into the fire when, you know, you step into becoming a model. It's not like, it's not like, um, you know, like a business world where you get, you know, formal training and then you step into, you know, a client, right? Uh, with modeling, personally for me, my 
trajectory was getting signed to an agency, then, okay, go figure it out, right? And, you know, of course, I didn't have a network of friends and resources uh, to confide in, um, which made it tougher in a way. And overall, the experience was for sure traumatic. And I think the biggest... The biggest thing going on in my mind was asking myself if this was typical, right? Um, it, is working with photographers that, you know, kind of use their power, you know, physically, is that is that a typical thing that occurs in every test shoot or was my case a specific case, right? And... You know, I'm very fortunate to have, at the time, a friend like Kai at the time where I knew somebody who um, unfortunately experienced something similar. And, but at the same time, I felt very grateful to know at least just one person who, who I could relate with and just know um, exactly how I felt in the moment. Um, and that honestly was enough for me, but, you know, thinking to, you know, the, the, the generations to come, um, you know, before me or the generations to come after me, like I, I generally don't know what advice I can probably give to them other than, you know, connect with the people within your industry, because at least for me, Personally, just knowing one person has been a tremendous help in just walking me through um, and just process, you know, mentally what was going on. And I think to all the listeners out there um, who may have already experienced a traumatic event, and I know that there are a lot out there in terms of the modeling industry now, only because I've been able to be vocal about it amongst my friends and uh, modeling community. Like it happens way more frequently than... You know, we all wish, of course, um, but, you know, I think with time, um, everything is temporary and nothing is uh, life or career ending. So, you know, that should give or that should sh shed some light into into people's uh, mental health. The ability for Andrew to vocalize and open up about his experience with me and with, um, you know, people in his life that he trusts is exactly what I meant uh, in the beginning of this podcast as to why I felt like you would be a good guest, Andrew, was because of how poised you are in your self-esteem, you know, in the relationships in your brotherhood um, with people that you trust and open up to. So um, I think that's really an ad admirable um, aspect about you. And um, I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you guys are talking about something that, like you said, Andrew, is often hidden, but it's common and it's kind of an irony, right? We do need to talk about it so that people understand, gosh, you know what? They're not alone or they can find someone to connect to on this, that they can get support. And I, you know, I was wondering, and this is a very specific question, Andrew, for you, you know, given what you described, you know, your background is coming from a conservative Asian background, I, I imagine even now it must be challenging to talk about it, given the the lens from which you come. You know what, Ali? Not really. Um, mm. I, I 
I can see why it can be perceived as difficult to talk about, but I truly feel healed and feel great about, you know, my mental well-being and where I'm at now. Um, and, you know, I always try to find like the positives of, you know, all these experiences. Right. And for me, like I was able to find um, and confide in a great friend like Kai and, you know, form a deep relationship like it's weird because like you can bond through um an unfortunate experience you know and develop a great friendship like Kai and I did um but also you know that experience has also enabled me to uh focus and pay more attention to myself and my well-being um you know and prioritize my health um in that realm right like could I have stayed down and felt absolutely defeated up until this point and you know further in my life absolutely but you know i think we can all agree that you know there is an innate desire within all of us to be better and to improve and um you know just just grow from these experiences rather than um staying within our comfort zone of you know playing the victim yeah. And you said healing. So you feel healed. Can you, obviously there was the relationship with Kai, right? Kai, your support. What else contributed to the healing? A lot of things. I, 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 I deeply value relationships and I, I measure success with the circle around me. And I truly believe that the people surrounding you greatly influence you and um, I was, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a great network of friends, um, who deeply care about me and, you know, genuinely want the best for me. So, you know, having those honest, deep, uh, transparent conversations has been a huge help. Um, secondly, um, you know, I have, I have an amazing brother who, you know, I can only speak positively on and, he chooses to always be there for me and support me um, and understand, um, even though he's not in the industry or in the modeling industry himself. Um, so relationships are, you know, something I find as maybe the top uh, factor in terms of healing for me. Um, of course, there's other things like, like therapy. Um, I've recently been introduced to, uh, getting a therapist um, over the past couple months. Um, and it's been great. You know, we talk about everything from A to Z. And, you know, I, I, I think this, uh, this has been a very valuable experience for me because I definitely have friends who are willing to hear me out. You know, of course, like as friends, you want to share great news, but at the same time, you don't want to burden um, your friends with your problems um, or problems. issues or worries or anxiety. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. And this is a designated person where that is the sole purpose, right? You can download yeah. everything onto them. Which yeah. Is and I'm paying them. So, uh, <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's comfort in knowing that you're in presence of somebody who's a professional who can guide you to grow and to, um, learn about why you make decisions and how you communicate with people. So being in a safe space like that under professional guidance, I, myself, um, uh, definitely value as well yeah i caught you i couldn't have said it better myself you know that um i i know that 
you know, your Christianity, your faith is, is very important to you and how you live your life. Um, that's something that I feel has really set you um, at a super high standard in terms of just the way you communicate with people and the way you perceive people and the way you live your life. Um, how do you find that um, guides you into situations like with the photographer or situations in, in your day to day? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question, Kai. So for me, um, yes, I am a Christian and my faith has been a huge part of my life for nearly my entire life. Um, my relationship with God, you know, is a relationship that, you know, only I can understand. And for me, you know, I try to live up to the values of just how Jesus lived, right? Like in the Bible. And, you know, clearly we're not perfect. We, we can strive to be perfect, but we won't ever be perfect. And, you know, my personal goal in life is to always, you know, leave situations, rooms, and people better than um, when I first entered. And, you know, when it comes to like unfortunate incidents, like, you know, working with photographers who will abuse, you know, their power, you know, Admittedly, it's hard to be a quote unquote good Christian, um, but at the same time, and you know, who was Jesus? And to me, Jesus is love. And I can only aspire to be more like Jesus and therefore just be love and spread love wherever I go. So whether it's the photographer, whether it's Kai, whether it's you, Ali, um, you know, I'm always going to go in with the intention of giving that love because at the end of the day, um, we all need it and we can always have more of it. Mm, that's beautiful. And, you know, I mean, I love that view. It's like an ideological view and a, I wish everyone had that view, <laughs> but also the other thing that I think is important to tie it all together is that we know that what you've said, both social support. So having people to rely on in tough times, as well as those who have strong religious or spiritual practice, whether that's within a community or routines and rituals or within yourself, these are all protective for mental health. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that they've helped you heal. And, you know, what I would say is for those listening, I mean, not everyone needs to embark upon a spiritual path or a religious path if that's not their disposition. However, it is having that kind of sense of community routine support in your daily life that can go a long way. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you say the word routine, that that makes me really think and that makes me think about my dad. Um, again, very traditional in his, you know, cultural standpoint. And one thing I really respect about him is his discipline. And I think, you know, growing up um, in my family, he really disciplined me to have structure in my life. Um, and like you said, Ali, I think routine is very helpful in mental cleansing and healing, um, especially because, you know, once you lock down a set routine that you know that works for you, um, you feel you start to feel good about, you know, going day to day, um, hitting those check marks um, and, you know, feeling the progress and improvements within your daily life. Andrew, thank you so much for opening up about what sounds like, a, you know, a challenging 
and difficult experience, but you've had the supports to get you through it. I would love to segue now and hand it over to you, Kai, to do a little bit of a deeper dive on traditional stereotypes of masculinity, what your view is on that and mental health. So Kai, take it away. Yeah, let's just continue where we um, were just discussing in regards of routine, discipline, structure. Um, given your background and culture, what are the traditional male stereotypes that you grew up with and were influenced by, one of which, you know, seemingly from your relationship with your father was instilling some discipline? I definitely, coming from a Chinese and German uh, family, have experienced that. Um, are there other other aspects of being Korean um, growing up in New York uh, that you have um, experienced as well? Yes, I think as a Korean American, uh, second generation, the kind of expectation for, you know, a male is to be a provider um, economically and as well as providing safety um, and really just carrying yourself in a way where you have mental fortitude and uh, you're disciplined in your day-to-day -day life as well as have structure, you know? And, um, you know, I think this all ties to being an independent person um, where you don't have to rely on anyone else besides yourself. That's really hits it on the head for me as well. Not, you know, being self-reliant really, or being independent, being able to deal with things um, emotionally, mentally, physically on your own because you're a man. Um, that's something that, you know, Ali and I had discussed with Nick as well on our last podcast. Um, you know, if you think about the mental health, about mental health in that light, which of these stereotypes potentially get in the way of working on your mental health and well-being? Do you feel that having to be self-reliant inhibits um, growth or um, inhibits the outlets you might need to heal from traumatic events like experience your experience with a photographer yeah i think being self-reliant is a notable but also kind of dangerous uh position to be in um especially as a male in this in this era uh solely because you know if you identify not being able to be self-reliant as a form of weakness then that can deter you from seeking help so i feel yes like like your point, um, you know, independency is great, but if it's at the cost of, you know, you actually struggling with mental health issues and, you know, preventing yourself to seeking the help you need, then of course it becomes, you know, more of an issue. In terms of masculinity, and of course this is, you know, speaking from your truth and your experience growing up and just identifying as a male in, in this day and age, what does masculinity mean to you now? Yeah, that that is such an evolving question, right? Because for me, um, I think it really involves cultural context as well as historical periods you know, historical periods being that, you know, the definition of masculinity can change 
or, 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 you know, from time to time, as well as cultural standpoints, like how we discussed how, you know, Korean stereotypes of what it is being um, a man is different than Western views, right? So for me, you know, the more I think about it, it's, it's less of the physical attributes, like, um, like how we stereotypically focus on such as power and strength and like, uh, you know, those kind of factors. And I think it's more about character, you know, holding yourself accountable and, you know, having integrity and, you know, trying to live your life in a way that's, um, you know, beneficial for you and, you know, supporting, you know, you and your loved ones. But the more I think about it, I feel like it just blends um, into femininity as well. And I think it just coincides, right? Like the factors and the, the, the qualities coincide with one another. Because like, even when I speak about like, you know, what it means to be masculine as um, involving character, like you can also say the same for femininity, right? So, you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I'm trying to identify for myself, you know, what it means to be masculine but the more and more i think about it you know i can always tie it back into uh femininity i think that's so fascinating um that you brought that up because nick had brought that up as well we were talking about yin and yang in our last episode and how he feels like um as a human being you know we have both masculine and feminine attributes um, and that creates some sort of balance or harmony um, as an authentic model citizen um, and human being in terms of um, you know the stigmas that come along with masculinity what do you define as toxic masculinity and do you feel like that has been uh, you know a stigma that you have personally had to fight or redefine especially in a year like 2022 yeah so for me toxic masculinity what i think about is when men try to compensate for um, not feeling masculine enough whatever their definition of masculinity is which tends to resort to demonstrating a form of um, hyper masculinity and to tie this in personally, um, you know, I've, I've definitely dealt with this. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, growing up in my childhood, you know, for me, you know, I thought being a man was all about, you know, having muscles and being strong. And, you know, you see, you know, <laughs> commercials like um, if you're a real man, you have a thick cut beard and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, like some body sprays get you the get you like you know, the beautiful woman, whatever it is, you know, and, you know, I, I, you know, I can definitely admit that, like, um, a big part of, like, my toxic masculinity was um, living in that idea. So therefore, I have to work out and look a certain way. And, you know, I personally went to the extreme of becoming a bodybuilder to prove that to myself. And, Luckily for me, like after going through all those, you know, challenges and uh, failures and successes, you know, I've come to realize that like, oh my gosh, like I, I was, I, I had such a warped perception of what I thought masculinity was. And, you know, I think it's common to say that like, only till you do it, do you realize like that wasn't it, you know? 
going on that light, let's stick to the positives like you say you like to do. Um, what do you define as an alpha male and who do you feel embodies this persona? I think an alpha male is somebody who is completely vulnerable because vulnerability is often connotated to being weak. However, most strong men, when you ask them to become vulnerable, it's very tough for them to, to open up to that challenge, right? And so therefore, I think, you know, having the boldness within yourself, um, as well as living your truth to live your life in a vulnerable way, not only is it admirable, but, you know, you get to truly be yourself and not have to hide or put into the shadows of how you actually feel. Absolutely. Vulnerability is, while perceived as weak, is truly a sense of strength, a sense of poised self-esteem that I feel that you embody. Um, you know, it's it's being able to connect with people and um, by only having a connection with others, can we truly seek a sense of health mentally, psychologically, and, you know, that having that ability is really essential in growing. So Andrew, I'm so glad you've said this about vulnerability, because even in our last episode with Nick, we talked about this, that, you know, vulnerability to admit that you need help is a strength. So if we can change those traditional stereotypes, that is a clear direction that I feel like it should go in. And I'm so glad you've said that, that an alpha male can be someone who's vulnerable. Um, so final question, we ask this of all of our guests. If you had 50 million Instagram followers, what would you want to tell people about masculinity and mental health? That's like 49.999 thousand more. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what I would say is that relationships matter. Um, again, I spoke very highly of my relationships early on in this conversation. And I think personally, you know, to have trustable, reliable friends in your network can only benefit you. Um, and also, you know, if you truly trust them, then they'll seek to understand, right? And I think when it comes to mental health and masculinity, like if you're struggling with that, um, it's okay to be vulnerable. And, you know, I, I think the more and more you practice being in that vulnerable state, the more you'll realize how truly powerful and transformative it truly is. Andrew, Kai, thank you so much for having this conversation. Um, I can't wait to debrief with you all, but like my one takeaway from this, and then there are many, but vulnerability as a sign of strength. And that is a great new stereotype of masculinity that needs to be pushed forward and endorsed. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us, Ali. And thank you for joining us on this podcast, Andrew. It was truly a pleasure to have you um, continue to live your life in light. And uh, can't wait to see your next accomplishments in the acting and modeling world and in the consulting mm -hmm. firm as well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, thank you, Ali, Kai, for having me. Was, this was truly a great conversation that I felt was necessary. And I think I'm, I'm excited to hear, um, I'm excited to hear <laughs> this whole podcast come to life. And, you know, thank you for, you know, putting in the time and effort to, you know, have opportunities like this where people can share their experiences and, you know, shed light in their own personal unique stories. Where can our listeners connect with you? Everything is at Andrew Hayden Kang. Now, let's get clinical. Three things stand out to me from a clinical perspective. First, breaking free of expectations and finding your authentic path. Second, the role of faith in healing. And third, vulnerability as a sign of strength, not weakness. So on the first, on breaking free of expectations and finding your authentic path, you hear in Andrew's story that it was a long process to let go of family expectations, of cultural expectations. There was pressure to do what his parents wanted him to do, and he felt his options were narrow growing up in Long Island, given what he was exposed to. But Andrew was able to break free of these expectations and find a more creative way of expressing himself. From fitness and modeling to acting, he's found his true path. Does this resonate with some of you? Can you think of ways that you were influenced to choose a career that ultimately was not right for you? And what does it feel like to be on your authentic path? Empowering, I would say. And on the second, the role of faith in healing. Andrew is described by Kai as a man of God. He's Christian, and his faith provides him with a strong framework and structure within which he operates, so much so that when he experienced a traumatic incident with a photographer, his faith in addition to support from Kai and others, is what helped him to heal. His religious practice gives him a disciplined sense of routine and positivity with the intention of spreading love to others. We know and we see that spirituality, faith, and religious practice can be strongly protective for mental health and well-being. On the third, vulnerability is a sign of strength. Andrew mentions that for him, self-reliance is a main expectation in the culture in which he grew up, which indeed can be the exact barrier that could preclude someone from getting mental health support that they need. I love when he said that the alpha male should in theory be someone who's vulnerable. So there you have it. We are hereby declaring vulnerability as a strength, not a weakness as a new male stereotype that should be part of mainstream culture. Hopefully this podcast and this series begins to chip away at these old archetypes that just don't work for getting mental health support. Thanks to Andrew and Kai for opening up on their perspectives on traditional stereotypes of masculinity and mental health. Our hope is that by hearing our conversation, you know that you are not alone and that it is the very essence of speaking to others about your struggles and vulnerabilities that move you forward in life, that help you to evolve into a better place. I can't say enough. I'm honored to have spoken with both Kai as my guest co-host for this series and Andrew to hear his perspective on growing up in his culture, his career path, and the process of healing from a traumatic workplace experience. I'm Dr. Ali Sharma. Thanks for listening to Model Mentality. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Clinical by Dr. Ali. Please check our show notes for references and more information on this episode. As always, if you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 
8255 to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area at any time. If you are located outside of the United States, call your local emergency line immediately. What you have heard on model mentality does not represent what would take place during a psychiatric assessment or an actual therapy session. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Model Mentality. If you like today's content, please subscribe to Model Mentality or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. Model Mentality is brought to you by Mind Studios.